Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. It's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now... Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show. I am your host, Sheila Zielinski, for this Tuesday, March 3rd, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. It is my pleasure today to introduce you to a very powerful woman of God. It is Dr. Erica Shepard. She's the author of many incredible deliverance books. One of my favorite books is... Spirits are subject under you, incredible, powerful deliverance minister and teacher and author, and I'd like to welcome her to the program now. Dr. Erica Shepard, it's the first time I've had you on, and it is a pleasure. Welcome to the program. Well, thank you very much, Sheila. I'm really delighted to be here. Well, it's a delight to have you on, and I can assure people that you really are quite a powerhouse. Now, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your ministry, Erica. Okay. I started out just a regular deliverance ministry in 1985. When I was delivered myself, I uh, had spent 12 years in the military, in the army, four years active, eight years inactive. And I am a, a Vietnam era veteran. After getting an honorable discharge from the army, I then went in the Air National Guard, and from there, at the end of 12 years total, I went to work for the beer industry, a marketing executive for a major brewery. And then, believe it or not, Sheila, I worked for a Canadian company called Joseph E. Seagram's. From there, I kind of went into working for myself. But when the stock market crashed in the 80s, I lost a lot of money and went crazy and um, was on the verge of committing suicide. And I was so crazy that I told myself that I had to tell my mother and apologize to my mother for what I was going to do before I did it. And having a good, proud Baptist mother, you know, she said, are you crazy? (laughs) Yeah, I was. But to make a long story short, my mother sent me to a tent revival 
I did not go to the tent revival to be saved or anything else. I went to the tent revival to meet a friend who was going to loan me money to get back up on my feet. He happened to be a deacon. I was sitting in the center seat in the back of the church. And um, they called a demon out. I levitated about three feet in the air. And it was about eight or six prayer warriors. And they cast those demons out of me. I had a legion. And that was the beginning of my walk in the deliverance ministry. But I did not uh, start out to be a deliverance minister. All I wanted to be was an overseas missionary. And uh, that led me to Oral Roberts University to learn about missions. And the rest is history. The reason I even have written all these books is that God would send me to places where the people were poor. And here I walk in the door, ministering the full gospel at first until demons start manifesting. And I really didn't know what to do. So I would ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do? Holy Spirit would tell me what to do. And uh, I had been delivered myself, but I thought that was just a personal experience for me. As a matter of fact, I wasn't even going to tell anybody. Because I was so happy to be delivered. But when I would go tell people, they would give me this look like, oh, oh, wow. You must have been a really horrible person. (laughs) You know, I had a legion of demons and they would back up. Oh, really? (laughs) But, you know, when you when you first get saved, you dumb anyway. What do you know? So I just thought something was wrong with them. Because this joy that I had, this feeling of freedom, I had never, ever had that before in my life. I had been changed. Something happened in my heart. I knew I was not the same person. And yet, Erica, here you are, a spirit-filled Christian believer, and yet you'd never had freedom up until that deliverance. That's right. See, the problem with most people is... You don't know what it feels like to be free if you've been bound all of your life. And I find that many, many times when I pray for people, and let me say this, from that experience, God began to send, I prayed that prayer people always pray, Lord, send me the hard people, send me the people (laughs) just like me. Careful what you wish for. (laughs) Yeah, I got it. So I started getting the most rebellious, the most stubborn people. But God knew that I was so happy with what he had done for me that he taught me patience. And at the same time, I would be learning. I began to buy everybody's books. I began to travel all over the USA, all over the world to anybody that was teaching deliverance or had books on deliverance. So I was fortunate to meet a lot of people, but I still found this one problem. The people that I ministered to were poor people. So therefore, I also ministered to people who were worse than me in terms of knowledge about deliverance. They had none. So I began to write these little booklets, just three or four pages to leave with them. The Lord told me in Los Angeles, California, in Watts, 
He said, I want you to write at an eighth grade level. And I said, how do you write at an eighth grade level? So I went and found out how to write at an eighth grade level. I was in a meeting and a lady was there and we struck up a conversation. She was speaking. I was speaking. And she said that uh, she was one of the editors for the Los Angeles Times. We write the L.A. Times on a, a seventh grade reading level. I said, what? <laughs> she said, yeah, we write the L.A. Times on a seventh grade reading level. So I said, OK, God, I, I get the picture. So I began to write these little booklets, things like just simple stuff, you know, the key to knowing Jesus, uh, what salvation means, how to stay saved, things like that. Well, when demons start manifesting in, in my meetings, I don't do anything. I don't I don't say anything. I would just be there preaching about Jesus. I've always been a little radical because my deliverance was radical. I didn't get saved like, you know, nice, quiet church people do. I got a full scale exorcism <laughs> with a manifestation <laughs> of demons. So therefore, to me, that's normal. So I would go in churches and things like this would happen. It happened today, as a matter of fact, too. I went in this church today and the man beside me started going and I looked and I looked right in the face of a demon and I said, oh, Lord, I'm just a visitor here. The demon was growling again. What happens? I found out there are people that walk in deliverance when you've been delivered from a legion. And I mean, I used to tell people that. People think drugs and alcohol are the worst demons to get free from. Let me tell you something. I was bound by mind control. When you're in the military, you fall under spirits of mind control. As an example, when I was in the military, it was still the Women's Army Corps. And the emblem for the Women's Army Corps is the Greek goddess Athena of war. Do you know... I had to get delivered from that spirit after I got out the military and after I learned about deliverance, I was actually bound by that spirit. But now you, you got to understand, I willingly took it on, right? Nobody drafted me in the military. I volunteered in the yeah, military. Yeah. My dad was a soldier. My sister is a soldier. My brother was a soldier. I come from a line of soldiers. So I had to get delivered from that demon. Okay. And and many, many more that comprise that legion of demons that I personally was delivered from. Not to mention the fact that I ran into a personal encounter with uh, an incubus succubus that led me on another quest, okay? But that demon attacked me as well without any knowledge of it. And that demon was sent to me by a preacher, Okay. That demon had bound many, many other uh, women up uh, being sent from that preacher. But when you are called, a lot of people get in deliverance because they got free. And once they get free, it's something in you. You have this strong desire to see other people free, mm -hmm. especially when you get free for real. 
Now, a lot of people just get free from the fleshly stuff. You know, some of the, they'll tell you that the demons weren't indwelling them. You know, they were just attached or they were just hanging on. Well, you know what? There are demons that just attach themselves and there are demons that just hang on. And truly, a lot of the people that get free from them never, ever get free from the deeper stuff. And then a lot of people don't need to be free from the deeper stuff. So to whatever level or degree you or me or whoever it is has, everybody needs to be delivered. You know, Sheila, the church, everybody says, is on the verge of an awakening. But they might want to consider one thing. Without personal revival, how are you going to have an awakening? Without personal deliverance, how are you going to have an awakening which encompasses corporate deliverance? Right. Because, because when a person is bound in their soul or any area of their soul, that area is influenced by demonic spirits. And so when I wrote this book here, I wrote this book in 2000, by the way. But I, I didn't cop. I gave it away free and everything. I didn't copyright it until 2007, and I would always give it away. I didn't write it to sell it. I wrote it so that people could utilize it and uh, follow the scriptures in it. And really, really, it works. When I first wrote this book, it was called "The Spiritual Importance." of Jesus's call to ministry. And if a person can understand why they have to understand the spiritual realm and why it is so important, because number one, this was the biggest problem I found as a missionary and then as an urban missionary here in the U.S. of A. People were getting baptized with the Holy Ghost getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. And everybody, you know, they were asking me, do you have the gift? What gift? (laughs) The gift of the Holy Spirit. And I saw it and I wanted it and I got it. But my life changed. All of a sudden, something came over me and burned like fire. And so I got the gift of the Holy Ghost with the uh, fire baptism. And all of a sudden, I began to really, really see demons. By that, I mean this. When you receive the baptism of God's Holy Spirit, whether you like it or not, whether you know it or not, you enter into the heavenly realm. Why? Because God's Holy Spirit regenerates your human spirit and the spiritual or spirit part of you comes alive. It comes alive. And in my particular case, I didn't know I always had the gift of discerning of spirits. I didn't know that with the gift of discerning of spirits that There came a knowing 
a knowing. You know that you know that you know, but you don't know how you know. And that is part of that regeneration process, you know, from the Holy Ghost. So I had to go back and I had to study Jesus. And as I studied Jesus and I realized that there was a spiritual importance of Jesus's call to ministry, being the fact that he was the son of man, yet he was still the son of God. However, it wasn't his divinity that he was operating in. He was operating under the giftings of the Holy Spirit. So what happened? I began to know things. I began to have words of knowledge. I began to operate through the word of wisdom, knowing things about people. I used to evangelize. The Holy Ghost would tell me, go stand in front of the library and a lady's going to come and she's going to have on a dress and he would show me the dress white with daisies in it and uh, you tell her such and such and such and I would win these people to the Lord he would tell me go get on the on the metro and wait for the metro and there's going to be somebody come along and you tell them this or you go over there to the supermarket to the Safeway and, and I would go to the Safeway and I would tell the cashier and all these people were backslidden. These were people who knew the Lord. So I began to tell uh, people that that they they had this ability, this gift. So I realized that it was the Holy Spirit and it was the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That was in me. But I noticed that people wouldn't really talk about it because God used me in casting out demons and getting people saved and delivered. Not so much healing, not not so much prophecy, but salvation through word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and then a lot of them he would heal after the deliverance. So God began to teach me and show me his word because I come from a Baptist background and the preacher preached the word and I knew how to pray. My mama taught me how to pray, but I didn't know and I did not have the relationship with Jesus. Well, and a lot of people, Erica, don't because we know that Satan tried to hinder the ministry of Jesus. So why would we be any different today being his followers? We know that demonic influence is working against God's people through the use of sin and iniquity and transgressions. But if you go to the Bible and you actually look at all the types of spirits, you know, the spirits that no one in the Christian mainstream church wants to even deal with today, but yet throughout the Bible there is a ubiquitous plethora of spirits. There's hindering spirits, witchcraft spirits, spirits of infirmity, familiar spirits, unclean spirits, spirits of bondage, seducing spirits, foul spirits, tormenting spirits, perverse spirits. You can go on and on. And this is in the Old and New Testament. Again, it's just everywhere. And yet people don't really want to deal with the spiritual realm. But yet in Luke ten nineteen, Jesus is talking and says, 
Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Both the naturally and spiritually is given expression here, isn't it? Yeah. You know why? Because Satan untricked them. Satan is the greatest con man that ever lived. He done conned the church into believing that everything spiritual is new age, witchcraft, and demonic. Deleting the fact that there is a heavenly realm and that there was a heavenly realm before there was witchcraft, new age, and demonic also. Okay, the Bible says that there were celestial beings and terrestrial beings. The Bible says that God created the angels. Okay, but man is so wanting to dominate and rule and know everything that some of the seminaries, a lot of the pastors come from the seminaries. Thank God for the younger people today who are really really reading the word and pressing in to God for the giftings of the Holy Spirit. They completely forgot, Sheila, that the Bible is a spiritual book. And the way that you really understand the the Bible is through revelatory knowledge, which comes by who? The Holy Spirit. Okay? God gave... this Bible to men inspired and filled with his Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible tells you that God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The other trick of the devil is this. The Bible says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. And likewise, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as well. Well, Satan, being the king of deception and his demons, knowing that they do not have expression without a body. They have to have a body in order to do anything on this earth. So what did they do? They mess with people's minds because they have the ability to integrate into a person's mind. And once they integrate into a person's mind, after they've been there for such a long time, the person begins to think that the thoughts that they think are theirs, totally negating the fact that it is the demon who is inhabiting their body using their eyes, using their vocal cords, perverting their mind. But the devil done tricked them into thinking, look here, it's you. (laughs) It's you. It's you. Those are your perverted thoughts. Those are your suicidal thoughts. It's you. It's you. And then he got the people so hyped up on self-improvement that they have accepted the spirits that have integrated into their personalities and operating through their bodies, even to the point that they don't want to give a spirit of infirmity the responsibility for them being sick. It's funny you mentioned spirit of infirmity because when you were talking, I was thinking about Matthew 4, especially Matthew 4, but it's an 8 there as well. When Jesus went about Galilee teaching in the synagogues, he was preaching the gospel of the kingdom and he was healing and delivering 
all manner of sickness. Now, if you look up that Greek word, that disease, that means the sickness, a malady, a disability disease, infirmity. If you look up that physical or spiritual trouble, that word in the Greek there is torture, make evil, affected, vex, harm. All who were possessed with devils and he healed them all there in Matthew 4. There is really a strong overlap and a connection between spirits of infirmity and other types of spirits, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, look at this. Don't forget about 1 John 3 and 8, right? Yes. What did Jesus say? He said, he that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. But this is the point I want to get to. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might, what? Destroy the works of the devil. Demons affect works of the devil. Remember back here a couple of months ago, are you aware of how many preachers were committing suicide? Yes. Well, I never heard anybody say, one, suicide is a spirit. And I know for a fact, in one of those funerals, they preached the preacher in heaven. They told the people the preacher was in heaven. Well, I don't know, I mean, you know, <laughs> how they could do that, I don't know. But this is my point. What would make a man of God commit suicide other than a demon? What would make a man of God enter into adultery with a woman in the church if Christians, one, can't have demons, and two, the thing that bothers me, Sheila, is you have the lay people. They will accept the fact that something is wrong spiritually. I tell people, even if you don't have a demon, just open yourself up to the fact that if you do have one, you don't want nothing of the devil. You don't want it in you. You don't want it around you. You don't want it affecting your household or your children. So let's take, let's say you don't have one. But I thank God so much that, that when people come to my meetings, all I got to get them to agree is if they do, you want it out. And and it doesn't take any more than that. But think about this too, Sheila. The Bible says when we receive the gift of God's what Holy Spirit, that we receive gift of healing, gift of faith, gift of miracles, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits and tongues. How come believers aren't operating in those gifts? How is it that you can go in any church the average church on Sunday morning and you see all these people hobbling around on canes. You talk to them and they'll tell you, I got diabetes. I got this. I got that. Now, they won't even consider the fact that the origin of those sicknesses could be a demon. One time, a friend of mine called me up from Virginia and one of his members was just taken to the to the psych ward in the hospital. And he said, I want you to pray with me in agreement because I'm going up there and we're going to pray her out. We prayed her out the psych ward. Not only did we pray her out the psych ward, we prayed half the ward out with her because we cast them demons out the psych ward. But this man of God had faith. He was not going to allow his member to be bound by uh, insanity spirits, 
when he knew that they were demons. And God got her out that psych ward the next morning. She was home, clothed in her right mind, just like Mark chapter 5 in the Bible. So all of these spirits, and that's what they are, just like you said. But the point is this. People don't want to believe because somebody told them when they get the Holy Ghost, they cannot have a demon. Well, because if you don't accept the fact that you possibly could have a spiritual problem that may have been brought on by evil spirits or demonic influence, and somebody tries to help you by casting those spirits and their influences out, those spirits won't leave and the problems will intensify. People have to get humble and and accept, you know, maybe I do have a evil spirit, a demonic influence operating in me. And, you know, you can't counsel out a demon. You can't talk it out. You can't just pray it out. You got to cast that thing out, don't you? Yes, you do. And guess what? They might not have a demon, but a demon could have them. Yeah. Okay. As an example, I wrote this little book. It's it's in the back of, of of this book. That's what made me write the book. It says, spiritual witchcraft curses work, whether you believe it or not. Just ask a witch. Well, Erica, what you talking about? I'm talking about this. People will say, I don't believe in witchcraft. Who cares what they believe in? It only matters that the witch believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, it will be more effective against you because of the fact you don't believe in it. You don't pray against it. And if you don't pray against it, so you say, well, how, Erica, could that happen? Let me give you an example. There was a church in a big major city. God sent me in there into the church. The pastor let me in for deliverance. The thing that was bothering me I was doing mass deliverance, and at 6 in the morning, I was doing, I would pray with people from 6 in the morning. It's supposed to be 6 to 7. It would wound up being 6 to 7, 8, and then I would come back and do my services at night. Well, I noticed I kept calling stuff out of people's stomachs. Sheila, the woman in the kitchen over the food ministry had been putting stuff in the people's food, witchcraft, for them to stay in the church and give more money in the offerings. The witch in the kitchen repented. We had to take the whole church through deliverance. And then that pastor had to call all the visiting churches that had been to his church, and we had to take all those people through deliverance that had eaten that food that the witch had put in the food in the church's kitchen. So if you don't believe in spirits, then do you think it makes a difference if you ate that food, which was dedicated to Satan and dedicated to witchcraft and demons assigned to the food with an assignment? And in the minute you ate the food, you came into agreement with the witchcraft. And people were wondering why they were sick and they had stomach problems, ulcerated stomach, all kind of stomach problems. And then when they would go to the doctor, the doctor would say, well, I don't see anything. We can't find anything. But that pastor knew that something was up with those people. And when we did that deliverance, Sheila, 
blood was all over the place. The people were coughing up blood. That's how bad and that's how intense that stronghold was. Well, think about it. This lady had been doing this for 20 years. In 20 years, nobody discerned something was wrong. You know, I I think of that phrase, the spirits are subject unto you. And that's Mm -hmm. really an incredible point, isn't it? Because that is... That is a fact. The spirits are subject unto us. And yet, it's one of those topics that nobody really wants to talk about because it's messy. But the bottom line, if spirit-filled people understood that whole point, that spirits are subject unto you, I mean, that would really change the dynamic, wouldn't it? It would. Chapter 8 of my book says, the only spirit influencing us is supposed to be the spirit of God. What evil demonic spirits know is this. Whatever spirit is influencing the mind, the heart, the will, or the soul of an individual will influence and or control everything about that person. So why won't we break it down and begin to teach people what the word of God informs us that God created this invisible spiritual or heavenly realm consisting of angels and other spiritual intelligence? The Bible calls them what? cherubim, seraphim, living creatures, and other unnamed hosts and ministers of God. And it ought to be simple. It ought to be simple. When ministers lay hands on people, a spiritual transmission takes place. What takes place? The Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God transfers out of the hand of that person into the body and soul of the person who's receiving ministry, spirit to spirit. You know, it's really, it's such a disadvantage to the men and women of God. People have problems, but they're not even looking at the basis of their problems. And you know what demons know? You cannot solve a spiritual problem with natural methods. Well, and people have to understand why spirit-filled believers are plagued with demonic influence, evil spirits, unclean spirits, cursed living, family disasters, poverty, all of it. It's not just sins, iniquities, and transgressions, but it's also ignorance, you know, not knowing God's way, not knowing his will, not trusting God's character, not allowing Christ to have that lordship, and not being willing to hear, not being willing to hear and obey. That's a key area, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ministered to a man from Hawaii, a preacher. He had two two children and a, and a lovely wife, has. And something happened to him, just like instantly he became impotent, okay? And he went to the natural food store and asked them to give him something natural to you know, help him bring that back. What he bought in the natural food store was a occult potion. Right. He paid for that. And he got worse and worse and worse and worse. By the time he came to this ministry, he was almost suicidal. And when we finally got him to the point where he was free, you you know how the demon came in him? His... Masseuse. 
Well, I love how these Christians go to Reiki. I mean, if that isn't a wide open gate just to receive a lot of demons, masseuse, these different kind of practitioners, you've got to be very careful with these so-called practitioners that use energy, like Reiki. Reiki is a Japanese form of transferring energy. Transferring, all right, you'll get transferred to the whole lot of spirits, and they're not good ones. Absolutely. His masseuse do touch, transfer kundalini. That kundalini spirit, it, it works with yoga, and it works with chakras, the serpent that coils around the spine. It affects the central nervous system. It can cause hallucinations. It is a very bad demon. I know that God has more power than any of those demons. But Kundalini is one that coils itself around around that spine and it has two heads. And you can get the first head out and the second head will burrow deeper into the person. It travels with those occult spirits. It's just a bad demon that you have to deal with. And nine times out of ten, it is summons up. But it can also transfer in an involuntary manner. And by that, I mean you can be a good Christian person. Let's say you think you got some little sin. That's what they call it, little sin in your life. Well, a demon only needs a crack, just a crack. What was said to Cain? It says, sin lieth at the door. What did God tell Cain? Sin lieth at the door. God tried to warn him. Well, that kundalini demon works with martial arts. And the sad part about that kundalini is so uh, difficult because the eye of Horus works with it. You familiar with that eye of Horus? That third eye thing works with kundalini. And uh, Wynne Worley had a book on kundalini. Yeah, he does. He has a very good book on the kundalini spirit it's excellent and that's one thing i would strongly recommend people do is get the win whirly pamphlets because they are just so excellent and pat holiday stuff is incredible mm-hmm. they really get into especially the kundalini it's just like nephilim Giborum, because this is what i really believe Sheila. if you have the the holy ghost a lot of people think they have to know every name of every demon. I don't. Praise God, I don't. All I got to know is what's over them. Like Kundalini falls under divination. Kundalini falls under necromancy. And Kundalini falls under familiar spirits. I know that a Christian can have enough power to call those spirits out and everything under them have to come out too. Yeah, amen. If you have the anointing, you can say, in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of necromancy to get out and go and everything under necromancy have to go. It depends on the level of the power and authority the individual minister that is ministering operates in. Okay, and if you understand this, too, your spirit man that's been regenerated by the Holy Spirit is in complete agreement with you being free. Your spirit man is in complete agreement with you being free. So 
the only areas we got to really worry about as a born again believer is the soul and the physical body because every demon evil spirit unclean spirit familiar spirit foul spirit operating in you is operating illegally it's not supposed to be there the devil done tricked the church world with this too i believe this my opinion it's been my experience the church world will tell you that a demon has to have a legal right i have been hearing that and hearing that and hearing that and yet and still i'm casting out demons church hear me hear this today demons are rebels they're renegades. They'll create a right. And and those of you in the church world that are running around here thinking, well, you know, I haven't given the devil a legal right. You don't have to give a demon the legal right. He will trespass. That's what they do. They're not sitting up waiting for you to sin. They lay traps. They set snares waiting for you to walk in it. You walk in it, they're coming in. And, it, and I've seen really good people. And they, and they tell me, I'm saved. And I'm saying, yeah, I know what you mean. I'm saved too. And, you know, 90% of the people who come here and people come here and stay three days, seven days, 10 days, 14 days to get the hard stuff out. Preachers come here and get delivered from the hidden. God gave me understanding. First Corinthians 4 and 5. Where it says, until the Lord comes, who will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. Well, I put websites up and everything. And so people thought that it was the secret stuff. Oh, I've had an abortion. I ain't never told nobody. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You have demons that are laying wait, hidden in your heart, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect. Okay? And in your physical body. Well, you say, well, where do they come from? Somebody might have sinned against your mother while you were in the womb. The Bible says I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. When you're born, you come here unsaved. And when you're born, you're capable of having the demons assigned by Satan to transgress your grandma, your great-grandma, your grandpa. I used to hear people, well, they're a lot better now. You know, they would say, well, we're going to break the generational curse. Well, church, let me tell you something. If you do not cast out the generational spirit, you ain't breaking nothing. If there's a generational curse, what is enacting to make the curse work? Spirits. The doctor says, okay, let me check your, you know, when you go to the doctor. Did you, anybody in your family had diabetes? Well, yeah, my mama had diabetes. And, okay, what worked with diabetes? Heart trouble. Well, how could a word like diabetes pass on to another person? How can a word like heart trouble pass? It's a spirit. It's a spirit. And these things are hiding. I ministered to many, 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 many. And I've got to get them past the fact, look, these spirits were there before you were born. Well, how can that be, Sheila, if it's not a spirit? Well, you're right. I mean, doctors always hand you the clipboard and you better go through everything generational that was ever passed down through your family line. And yet people just don't make the connection 
that there are generational curses, those familiar spirits that come down through the line. And what does God say about, you know, four generations back, curse of the bastard, ten generations back? The Bible talks about the curse of the forefathers, the sins of the forefathers, the iniquity, and yet people just don't make that connection, do they? No. And they have to start, though, because revival is going to start with personal revival. And you cannot be personally revived with with uh, darkness in inside of your soul. It ain't going to happen. The only cure for spiritual problem is that the spiritual part of the problem must be discerned. Yes. And dealt with. And that's why forgiveness is so important and repentance. And then, of course, watching, praying fasting, worshiping, studying the word of God, prevailing in prayer, because there is a lot of spiritual slackness too. You know, there's a lot of prayerlessness and I am just stunned at the amount of people. I say, are you praying about it more than you're talking about it? Are you actually in your prayer closet? I mean, there are so many people bound up and it is unbelievable that people won't even get in the word of God. So how do they expect the spirit of God to manifest in them strong when that spiritual discipline is absolutely just slack? Yeah. And you know the sad part? You know who's going to pay? Their children. Yeah. And their children's children. The That's seed who's gonna and pay. the seed's seed, right? God gives parents responsibility and spiritual responsibility over those kids they're stewards over those souls those lives those little people i have found out another thing deliverance is a miracle i was telling my class this week think about this just think about this if i had a demon and if god had called that demon to judgment you in Canada could speak a word and that demon in me would have to respond and come out. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> well, <laughs> what did that centurion say to Jesus? Hey, you don't need to go to my house. You just say the word. Mm -hmm. But it's a miracle. It is a miracle. A soul set free is a miracle. But the devil has tried to reduce it down to its least common denominator. But Jesus said it was a miracle, okay? In Mark chapter 9, verse 38 and 39, when John said, We saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbid him because he followeth not us. What did Jesus say? Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. Deliverance is a miracle ministry. It's a real miracle ministry. Now, it's sad that so many people have tried to do it in the flesh. <laughs> yes. And that's part of the problem. People are scared because there's so many weirdos and wackos. You know, but real deliverance, when a person receives deliverance prayer, their continence changes, their environment changes, their life changes. They can hear God. They can see God's kingdom. They can begin to experience the fullness of the Holy Ghost, the 
fullness of the Spirit of God. And you know what else? When you're restored to God through deliverance, it's the greatest thing that ever can happen to you because you are delivered from all that darkness. All that weight of sin is lifted off of you. And then you are filled with that fresh fire, filled with that fresh anointing, filled with that fresh oil. And you have joy unspeakable. It's a marvelous thing to be delivered. It's a marvelous thing to walk in the demonstration of the power of God. Like God say, he say, marvel not that the spirits are subject unto you, but that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You become the demonstration of God and his power here on this earth. Who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? Well, amen to that. And speaking of getting free, Erica, you do an incredibly powerful mass deliverance. You are wind whirly in a skirt, girls. Would you, would you lead our <laughs> listeners, please, into a mass deliverance? Sure. My pleasure. First of all, if you're on this line, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, you said in your word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be delivered. I'm calling upon you now for my deliverance. Deliver me from everything that is separating or hindering me from having the fullness of you, God. Lord Jesus, you are my Lord. And tonight, I make you Lord over my spirit, over my soul, and over my body. All right? Confess all your sins to God. Ask him to forgive you. And you forgive anyone that you're holding anything against. So that this prayer can be effective in your life. First, we're going to break the generational iniquities. Those spirits. In the name of Jesus, I command all spirits hiding behind generational iniquities sins, and transgressions. I command you, get out of that body. Go right now. I command the seed, the root, that came in through disobedience to God that is allowing anyone to be operating under curses from God due to disobedience or the sins of their mother or their father According to Deuteronomy chapter 28, 15 through 68. I bind all of you spirits. We renounce you in the name of Jesus. Go! Get out. Go! Get out. In the name of Jesus, we break, bind, cut, sever, and destroy all generational, cultural, and environmental witchcraft curses and the spirits operating behind them. We command you to come out the seed, and the root. Get out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we break the power of all generational satanic covenants or agreements and the spirits that came in through them. We break your power in the name of Jesus and we break and destroy and renounce any covenants or agreements made with you. Go in the name of Jesus. Get out right now. 
in the name of Jesus, we break the power and command out all spirits that work with ungodly soul ties. We break the soul ties and command all related spirits with the seed and the root that came in by way of agreement or rituals or spells. Go in the name of Jesus. Get out. Get out. In the name of Jesus, we bind up all spirits that operate under Freemasonry, Masons, Lodges, Degrees, Masonry, York Rite, Shriners, and such. We break your power in the name of Jesus, and we command you to be bound. Go! 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 Get out! Loose that body and get out! Go! In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we break, destroy all spirits, the seed and the root that came in through slavery or neo-colonialism by any imperial governmental authority. In the name of Jesus, go! Go! Get out! We break the power, cut, sever, and destroy any and all spirits operating behind any military spirits. Go in the name of Jesus. Get out. Go, go, go. Get out. All the way out. In the name of Jesus, we bind, break, cut, sever, and destroy all spirits operating behind false religions, cults. In the name of Jesus, we command you the seed and the root of you spirits false religions. Go! Get out. Go! Get out of that body. Loose your stronghold and go. In the name of Jesus, we command all spirits, the seed and the root of hatred, rebellion, anger, stubbornness, fighting, necromancy, cursing, religious spirits, murder, heresies, argumentative spirits, false prophecy, and lying spirits. Go! Go! Get out of that body. Loose that body. Get out. Get out. And we break the power of all spirits of pain. Pain, we break your power. We bind you. We command you to come out of hiding. Anywhere in anybody's body under the sound of my voice. From the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Go! Get out, pain. In the name of Jesus. We command all religious spirits, murder, heresies, spirits that cause a bad attitude, boyfriend, girlfriend, junk food, anorexia, gluttony. Go! Get out. Get out of the body. Loose the body in the name of Jesus. Get out right now. In the name of Jesus. We command you to be bound, all you spirits of asthma, colds, virus, influenza. Go! Get out. The seed and the root. Go! All unclean spirits, familiar spirits, spirits of bondage. Go! Get out. In the name of Jesus, all distressing spirits, tormented spirits, molestation. Go, Jezebel. Go, unteachable spirits. Go, get out. Go, go, go. Get out right now. 
in the name of Jesus, I command all spirits of alcoholism, nicotine, antichrist, drugs, witchcraft, go, clairvoyance, horoscopes, go, get out, get out now. I want you to name your own form of bondage. Anything that you feel has you in bondage, I want you to name it. And in the name of Jesus, I'm going to cast it out. In the name of Jesus, as the listener calls your name, I command you to come out of hiding. I command you to loose that soul. I command you to loose that heart. I command you to loose that will. I command you to loose their emotions. And in the name of Jesus, go! Go! Get out right now. Go! Any hidden fear, night terror, you go to. Go! Get out. Any and all unloving spirits, go! Any spirits of arrested development, go! Any spirits of bound and blocked emotions, go! 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 Loose those emotions. Go! In the name of Jesus. Right now, every spirit, I destroy your thoughts, your deeds, your works, your actions against any and all of the men and women of God. Go! Loose them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, fill them. Lift your hands up and receive a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Lord God, fill them. Fill them. And Lord God, stir up the gifts to make them effective spirit war fighters. Teach them how to win in spiritual warfare. And I thank you, Lord. Listen, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it is the power of God. I want to pray with you right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, you repeat after me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I ask for the Holy Spirit to fill me with all that you are. I ask this through the grace that you have extended to me. I need to be filled with your compassion, your love, your goodness, your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, I want you to believe in order to receive. Repeat after me. In Jesus' name, I am being filled right now. Father God, In the name of Jesus, I ask you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, I am being filled right now. Lord Jesus, restore my soul and restore to me. Give me the oil of joy for mourning, the joy of knowing you. The joy of working in your kingdom. The joy of becoming a soul winner. The joy 
of being called a tree of righteousness so that you, Jesus, may be glorified. I ask this in the name above all names, Jesus. Now I thank you that I am being filled with your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill every empty area. Fill, God. Fill. 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 Just think about how much God loves you. Think about how much God loves you. Think about how much you love God. And let that love of God just overflow you until it fills you up and it comes out and it just comes out. Just receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Receive the joy of the Lord. Receive his power, his light, his life, and his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Erica, that was very, very powerful. Folks, we want to hear from those tonight who were delivered, who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, received tongues. And folks, Dr. Shepherd's info is linked there at weekendvigilante.com. You can get a hold of her there. Dr. Erica Shepherd, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. My pleasure. Very powerful stuff, and I hope you will come back and see us again soon. I will. You know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was very, again, very powerful stuff. Folks, again, we want to hear from you tonight. So you fire us off an email, and we want to talk to those that either got delivered or baptized in the Holy Ghost, and praise God for that. Folks, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to hear from you personally. And I thank everyone for tuning into the program tonight. Good night, and God bless.